you like to better understand the Bible? How can you grow as a Christian and find personal peace? What happens at the second coming of Jesus? What is the relevance of Bible prophecy today? How do you identify a cult? What happens when you die? Here is your opportunity to find answers to these and many other questions by exploring 30 not only relevant, but life-changing topics that await your discovery. Welcome to Search for Certainty. I'm glad you could join us. I'm your host, Gail Fong, and with me in the studio today is Hannah Nakagawa. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you, Sister Gail, for having me here. Oh, so lovely to have you here today. And we're going to study together today a world in turmoil. We can have confidence for the future. World conditions are alarming. World leaders are seeking answers to some of the greatest problems society has ever faced. An uncertain future looms on the horizon. The Middle East continues to be a source of tension and no one knows when or if it will explode. The interdependent world economy is on shaky ground. Moral conditions are rapidly deteriorating. School violence is rampant. Weather patterns seem out of control. World hunger is increasing. Tens of thousands of refugees cross international borders seeking a safe sanctuary and people everywhere are asking, what do these things mean? The Bible presents an answer. The second coming of Christ is one of the Bible's most important truths. It's mentioned 250 times in the New Testament alone, once in every 25 verses. The second coming of Christ has encouraged Christians through the centuries. Well, Hannah, before we begin this amazing study together, would you open with prayer inviting the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, to teach us? Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise you because you are a great God. Father, as we open your words and study scriptures, Father, we invite your Holy Spirit to be with us. Guide us, lead us, and speak to us. Give us understanding, Lord, and we may all come close to you. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer and answering our prayer. Pray all these things in Jesus' precious and loving name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Hannah. Well, in Matthew's Gospel, Christ clearly indicates the signs that would precede his return. Looking at the temple in Jerusalem, he declared, See, your house is left to you desolate. That's in Matthew. Well, Jesus then predicted in Matthew 24, 2, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. The disciples thought that an event as cataclysmic as the destruction of the temple at Jerusalem must be the end of the world. In a magnificent prophecy, Jesus answered their questions about the destruction of Jerusalem and the end of the world. So we're going to dive into the book of Matthew, Hannah. If you would turn there and read for us Matthew chapter 24 and verse 3 to begin. And we're looking for what question 
did the disciples ask Jesus regarding his coming? Yes, Matthew 24 verse 3 says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what would be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Wow. Mm. So Hannah, they're asking Jesus, but they actually didn't realize it, that they're actually asking more than one question. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. They ask two things. Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming? Yes. So they they would have been shocked to think that Jerusalem would be destroyed. Yes. Wow. Particularly the temple, which was their prize and joy. Mm. Pride and joy, I should say. So Jesus blended these two events, events that led up to the destruction of Jerusalem by Titus, as history tells us, in A.D. 70 were miniature events that would occur on a larger, grander scale just before the return of our Lord. Mm. Well, does the Bible, Hannah, reveal the exact date and time for Christ's coming? Let's turn to Matthew 24 and verse 36. Yes, it says, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angel of heaven, but my Father only. Mm, not even angel knows, um, um, but Father only. Only God of Father knows. God is very merciful, isn't he, Hannah, that he's not actually revealed the exact time Mm. of his second coming. I guess if we were to think of the despair of the early Christians, if they thought Christ's coming was more than 2,000 years in the future, well, anyone who claims to know when Christ will return is teaching a falsehood. Mm. But Jesus shielded his disciples from that. I guess he wants us to always be in a state of readiness. That is true. Always be ready to see him. Ready in our hearts. Mm. Yes. Well, that's, that's very important, what you just read there, Hannah, that no one knowing the day nor the hour. Mm. But as we studied in our last study together, we recognize we're living in the toenails of time. That's right. We are living in the time of the end, very close to the end. Well, how can we be ready for an event if we don't know when it will happen? Mm. We're turning to the gospel book, Luke, Luke chapter 21 and verse 36. Thank you, Hannah. Yes, Luke chapter 21, verse 36. It says, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Mm. So God is telling us here two things. Yes, he says, Watch therefore and pray always. Mm. So we need to watch and pray to be ready at all times. That's right. Interesting. Mm. You know, the great evangelist Dwight L. Moody in his book, The Second Coming of Christ, on page nine said, The proper 
attitude of a Christian is to be always looking for his Lord's return. Christ's counsel is to live in a state of expectation, Mm. what we were just sharing together. God wants you and I to live our lives with a sense of the nearness of the second coming. I like that thought. Yes, that's true. Well, although we cannot know the exact date of Jesus' return, what can we know about the time of his coming? We turn back to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24, verse 32 and 33. The Bible says, Now learn this parable from this fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know the summer is Near, So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Mm. Wow. So by the signs that are happening, we will know. That's right. Even, even though we don't know the exact time, we will know it is close because of the signs. You know, Hannah, we have a fig tree in our garden, oh, do in you? our backyard. And I do love figs. <laughs> and interestingly, because we had so much rain since January, yes. right through, we hardly had a fig on our fig tree where we live. Oh. And I thought maybe it's our tree only. But I noticed as I walk around where I live that a neighbor has a fig tree with a lot more fruit on their tree. Oh. But sadly, the figs never ripened because of all the rain. Mm. And here in Palestine, the fig trees would have been a very common tree. That is true. And they enjoyed those figs. And it's true when you see those leaves coming back after the winter, I had great expectation (laughs) of what what our fig tree may produce, only to be disappointed. (laughs) So we certainly can learn a lesson mm. from nature. Yes. When we see the leaves coming back on a fig tree, we expect the fruit. That's right. When we see the signs happening, mm. God says we can expect yeah. his coming mm. is drawing very near. That's true. We need to be sensitive to see that yes. signs happening in front of us. I guess that's the watching. Mm. And if we're praying, we'll be listening for God's voice. Yes. And his voice will speak to us through his word Mm. as well. Amen. Well, we can know the harvest time is near by the signs. Jesus' end time signs in Matthew 24 clearly reveal a ripening harvest. So we're going to have a look first to the signs in the religious world. What signs in the religious world indicate Jesus' coming is near. And Jesus mentions this sign three times in the book of Matthew. So Hannah, if you would read for us Matthew 24, verse 5, verse 11, and then verse 24. Sure. It says in verse 5, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Jump to verse 11, it says, Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. 
verse 24. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Wow. So as you read, Hannah, God, Jesus, who is God, was mm. repeating three times a warning, basically. That is right. This religious confusion or deception that there will be a lot of people who are saying that I am the Christ or there will be a false prophet and deceiving many people. Yes. Mm. You know, when my mom told me three times something, I knew it was very important. Yeah, that is true. (laughs) She didn't want me to forget. Mm. I actually was pretty good at remembering my things, but my younger brother, he wasn't so so able to remember and he would get lots of reminders <laughs> remember to bring your shoes home remember to bring your school bag <laughs> my poor, poor brother I was able to help him while he was at primary school but once I went to high school he struggled <laughs> but if God tells us mm. it's obviously very important because this will be a major sign mm. so Yes, as the end approaches, the devil will double his efforts to deceive. Millions will turn to counterfeit sources of truth. As you mentioned, falsehood will abound. Lies will be accepted as truth. Mm. False religious leaders will deceive. And sadly, the occult and astrology will capture the imagination of gullible people who are looking for answers to life's deepest questions. There are more, Hannah, than 2,000 astrology columns in the American newspapers. Mm. That's a massive amount. That is true. Obviously, there are many that read those signs. Mm. And an estimated five to seven million Americans have been involved in cult-like groups. The modern Wiccan, pagan and Druid religion is now listed among the ten largest religions in their country. Wow. I don't know what the statistics are here in Australia. Yeah. But what prediction did Jesus make now as we turn to the political world What predictions did Jesus make regarding international conflict? Did he say anything on this? Let's read verse 6 and 7, Hannah, of Matthew 24. The Bible says, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. Wow. Do we see that today, Hannah? Definitely just now we see there's so many um, rumors of wars and we see wars happening yes i think of the the russia ukraine war it's it's so destructive wars have occurred throughout history there's nothing special hannah about one single war jesus does not envision a war but yes he envisions wars Nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom. 
Wow. And recent history has witnessed the horrors of World War One and World War Two. There's the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the Indochina War, the Iran-Iraq War, the Kuwait War, the Balkans, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and tribal conflicts too numerous to mention to speak. They just speak so eloquently of the fulfillment of Christ's words. Mm. So there's and civil wars that are happening in countries right now as we are sharing together in our study time. Mm. There's a lot of pain and suffering out there. And Jesus saw that. Interesting enough, how does the book of Revelation describe the dangerous situation among the nations of the world prior to the advent of Christ? In Revelation, the last book of the Bible, Hannah, chapter 11 and verse 18. Yes, the Bible says the nations were angry and your wrath has come in the time of the dead, uh, the dead that they should be judged and that you should reward your servants, the prophet and the saints and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Wow. Mm. So Hannah, we're living in that time. I believe. Mm. It says um, destroy those who destroy the earth. There are people who are destroying, has the power to destroy the earth. Mm. Absolutely. Jesus will come at a time when the human race does have that ability to destroy its own planet. And sadly, with nuclear weapons, we now have the capacity for self-destruction. Mm. Did you know that there are nine nations that have nuclear weapons? Mm. It's the United States, Russia, France, China, the United Kingdom, Pakistan, India, Israel, and North Korea. Mm. Well, sadly, this sign of nuclear war happened was broadcast from Hiroshima in 1945 after the atomic bomb was dropped. William Ripley stated, I am standing on the place where the end of the world began. A terrible, terrible time Mm. in Earth's history. It was 1945. Mm. The destruction of life, the disregard for human life. That's right. It's just so shocking. Mm. So Jesus is coming again. But in spite of the build-up of thermonuclear weaponry, what will the nations be saying in the last days? We turn to 1 Thessalonians, written by Paul, uh, chapter 5 and verse 3. Yes. Thank you, Hannah. It says, For when they say, peace and safety then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape people will be saying peace and safety that's okay nothing it's going to happen but sudden destruction comes upon them amen the world is looking for peace yeah there's so many songs that have been written on peace mm. 
there's so many groups that have been started to bring peace. If the United Nations is meant to be a peacekeeping force. Yeah. And yet the world is still in turmoil. Mm. But we see that the nations are longing for peace. But at this time, Jesus is telling us, this is a sign. Mm. This is a sign of my imminent return. Yes. When the world is crying out for peace. Mm. And saying there'll be safety. Well, what signs now will occur in the natural world? What signs will occur here before the coming of Christ? We turn back to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 7. Thank you, Hannah. It says, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. Wow. Mm. So we're looking here, Hannah, at the sad situation that wars bring on the famines. Famines, yes. And amazingly, the statistics that I have, I looked and was checking them last Mm. night, and I was literally shocked to see how they have Increased mm. because we know of crop failure, the politics of greed, growing population, and food distribution problems. World famine is still a major problem. Mm. But this is what I was so shocked about, Hannah, that 25,000 people a day are dying of starvation. Mm. More than 9 million per year die of starvation. And I don't know the correct statistics of how many million of those are children that die under the age of five or are malnourished with food shortages in at least 40 countries. In the past 100 years, we've had 1.5 million fatalities from earthquakes alone, Mm. and there are thousands of earthquakes each year, Jesus' words are certainly being fulfilled. Mm. And a lot of those countries that are in famine, as I was looking at the list of those nations and countries, a lot sadly are in Africa and third world countries where they are greatly disadvantaged Mm. to what we in the West have access to. Uh, or where there is current war or civil war happening. Mm. Hannah, as we look at the natural signs, the natural signs as mentioned there, um, in the past 100 years, we've discovered that there are these signs that Jesus has been talking about, but we see that there's also an increase in the signs. Would you just read for us before we move to our next question, verse 8 of Matthew 24. It says, all these are the beginning of sorrow. Wow. Mm. So perhaps we don't have as much recorded on how many people were in need of food over a hundred years ago, but we see that Jesus says wars Famines, mm. earthquakes, pestilence, pestilence. Mm. will increase. Yes. So they're the beginning of sorrows. Yeah. And 
interesting, Hannah, that that language is related to an expectant mother, <laughs> like someone who's about to deliver a baby. Yes, labor pain. Labor pains. Mm. And when you're in that predicament, uh, well, every case is different. But it may start very gently. Yes. The signs, the warning pains mm. that your baby's birth is coming closer. Yeah. But as the baby is moving further and further along, ready to make its appearance in the world, yes. the pain increases. Mm. And thus Jesus is telling us, as you see these events increasing in yep. number, incre increasing in severity. Yeah. It's like a lady mm. about to deliver a baby. Wow. That is coming, is drawing near. Yeah, wow. So intensity and frequency will be more and more. Yes. And I think I can see that in, in, our, in our world as well. Yes, mm. Hannah, would you tell us of an experience that you had when you were living in Japan? Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, it says um, in verse 7, the earthquake in various places. Well, I experienced that um, when I was in high school, there was a big um, earthquake in 2011, and that was... Um, very <laughs> traumatic. Um, I remember I was in a um, uh, in a biology class, and um, yeah, people who are standing um, don't really feel it. Like people who are sitting uh, know it more. So we were calling our teacher, teacher. This is uh, this is weird. This is too much, and we started to hide under the table. We felt like, wow, is it okay? And we just felt. Um, this, you know, fear that, wow, are we able to survive, <laughs> to be honest? And um, we know that a big tsunami came. So many people lost their lives and, um, um, yeah, nuclear plant and all the accident. We, we know this. But, yeah, I could tell that these things are happening all over the world. It would have been a shocking experience. It was. I remember seeing that on the news. Mm. I saw the pictures of the tsunami. Yes. And it seemed so amazing that such a, an, a massive amount of water mm. could come in in such force and destruction. Yes. People say that um, it was beyond their expectation. They did not expect that the water will reach that point. Nobody expected this. No. Mm. I understand that that earthquake was nine on the Richter scale. Yes, which is almost the highest. Mm. Yes, I was looking uh, on the internet to see what, how high earthquakes, how, how large earthquakes can be predicted to go. And the largest one I found was 9.5 yes. in the 1960s. And the internet does say that you could never get an earthquake that reached 10 on the Richter scale. So nine is extremely high, yes. extremely severe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm so grateful that you did live through that, Hannah. Oh, um, and I know many didn't. Mm. Uh, 
what tragedies our world is going through mm. as we draw closer to the coming of Jesus. You know, the Bible says that also, Hannah, there's going to be signs in the economic world. Yep. And in the book of James, James chapter 5, verses 1 through to 7, what does the Bible predict regarding the world economy at the time of the end? James 5, 1 to 7. Thank you, Hannah. Come now, you rich, weep and hold for young miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your field, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of uh, Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your um, hearts as in the day of slaughter. Um, you have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the uh, precious fruits of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. Wow, Hannah. So the Bible there is definitely predicting a world economic collapse. Mm. And because of fraud, it's interesting too that gold does not rust. That is true. Interesting. Mm. So how the world uh, economy was, was working is not going to be working anymore. That's right. The rich people yesterday can lose everything today. Correct. Mm. Through natural disasters yes. or through an economic collapse. That's right. We didn't touch that before, but we know that pestilence, COVID, is something that was in the mention. We don't know the company can lose everything because of this um, natural disaster as well. Thank you, Hannah, for bringing that in because that is so true. Mm. It has caused a lot of financial suffering yes. to many mm. and small businesses mm. um, that have not been able to survive or even larger businesses yes. because of the inability to open or to trade, uh, etc. during the pandemic. Yeah. Very true. The entire economy of the world is on a slender thread. America's national debt is enormous. You know, I was quite shocked to find out that the US current debt is just over $30 trillion and rising because wow. of the interest. That's a massive debt, mm. which would equate to every person in America having to pay $91,426 as of last night to pay off wow. that debt, which will never happen. Mm. So the world is facing massive economic challenges. Yeah. 
Trusted financial institutions have collapsed. Tens of thousands of people lost their jobs or homes through financial collapse. These unstable economic conditions, and as you mentioned, Hannah, the pandemic has added to that yes, as well. Yes, definitely. That's shocking. Mm. Wow. Yes, these truly are signs of the times. Mm. There's signs in the social world as well. What does the Bible say the social conditions of the world will be like in the last days? Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through to 4. Thank you, Hannah. But notice that in the last days, perilous time will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, uh, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, um, despisers of good, um, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Wow. It sounds like we're reading the daily newspaper. That is true. That is true. I want to read up verse 5 as well. Yes, thank you, Hannah. Having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. So not only the people in the world but also Christians who um, name they follow God, they um, have the form of godliness but denying its power. They don't really know God. Mm. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They're not a friend of God. Mm. It's hard to be a friend of God and to live this way, to treat others this way. Mm. You know, Hannah, when I was visiting my parents recently, my father's car was actually stolen in the night. And... um, It was in the garage, it was parked, but they came in, they knew what they wanted, and they took it. And I was thinking of this verse. There is no respect Mm. for other people. It's very sad to see. We live in a society where these things are happening, Mm. where people don't have respect for other people. And... It's not the way God would want us to be. Yes. I I prayed for those people who stole my father's mm. car mm. that the Holy Spirit would bring deep conviction of their, um, yes. upon their hearts of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, that they would want to return it. Yeah. Because that's a habit you can't take to heaven. Mm. But... These are the signs in the social world, and we do see it around. That's true. We see more and more um, immorality, and even comparing my grandma's generation or, um, you know, a few generations before, they will be surprised to see us, the world today. I think it is more and more immoral. That is so true, Mm. Hannah. Yes, they would. When you think about what they got into trouble for, (laughs) chewing gum in class or (laughs) speaking out of turn, whereas today, yes, as young people and schools have a lot more to deal with, 
there's family issues, there's unwanted pregnancies, Mm. there's the drugs which are so um, mind-altering that are so available and and, uh, to young people. There's so much more challenges Mm. for families today and people in general. Well, these are signs that Jesus is coming soon. A breakdown in society. Well, Hannah, as we were talking about these signs in the social world, how does the Bible liken the society of Noah's day to our day in Luke 17, verse 26 and 27? It says, And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriages, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Wow. Mm. So it would appear that we are... We are, we are mirroring the yes. days of Noah. Mm. I have been uh, studying Noah's story in Friday night Bible study group. Um, it says that, Bible says that people's thoughts were evil continually. So we know that that was the time of evil. But now we can see that is the time of the world where we are living um, as well. That's so true, mm. Hannah. So true. And and yes, you know, there's certainly nothing wrong with eating and drinking because we all need to That's eat right. and drink. But Jesus, yes, is speaking of overindulgence mm. and obsession with eating and drinking. Mm. Eating and drinking and marrying, they're all part of life's yes. routine mm. and blessings. Yes. But here Jesus describes a people swallowed up in life's pleasures, oblivious to the fact his return is near. As you mentioned, Hannah, the thoughts Mm. of their mind is only evil continuing. Mm. Wow. Is there good news? Well, there is. What is one of the clearest indications that Christ is coming soon? Matthew Chapter 24 and verse 14. It says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Wow. The gospel, the good news about Jesus. Yes. Everyone would have the opportunity to make a decision for God because the gospel will um, be preached in all the world. It's very encouraging because I'm from Japan. Not many um, friends or family don't know about God. But then before Jesus comes back, gospel of the kingdom will be preached so my friend and family can get to know about God. Amen. Oh, I pray, Hannah, that they will accept him along with my family Mm. who have not, not all of them, have accepted Jesus into their life. Mm, Definitely. There's another verse we could look there as well in Revelation 14, verses 6 and 7. Yes. 
Revelation 14, verse 6 and 7, it says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. Wow, Hannah. It's just following on with the words of Jesus in Matthew. And I like that concept. As you were sharing that you were studying about the days of Noah, Mm. interestingly, God gave Noah and the people of his time 120 years. Yes, to preach to everyone and building the ark. (laughs) As Noah preached, yes, Mm. they had that opportunity. And today God is giving opportunity to the world to hear the gospel. Yes. To read the gospel. Yes, that's right. It says every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Including Japan. Yes, amen. (laughs) And the farthest islands. Yes. Everywhere. Mm. God wants everyone to be given this opportunity. Yes. Before he returns. Mm. Amen. Wow. So one of the greatest signs of the nearness of Christ's return is Hannah the rapid spread of the gospel throughout the world in the 21st century? Yes. Our world, as you and I know, has become a global village. Mm. The gospel is now going to all the world with a speed that would have left the Apostle Paul amazed. <laughs> Sophisticated satellite communication systems such as the internet Satellite technology, interlinking computers, the World Wide Web, and mass media television and radio communications are, in reality, a gift that God is using to communicate the gospel with incredible speed Mm. to the world. The 21st century technological evolution has provided a setting to spread the gospel rapidly. I'm so glad for that. Yes. And even during the um, pandemic and COVID, of course, it was not an easy time for many people. But at the same time, it gave us the opportunity to be connected online and through different tools as well. And in some sense, we were able to um, spread the gospel through online ministry as well, uh, through radio, through um, internet, social media as well. Um, so God uses everything for good, isn't it? Amen, Hannah. I like that thought. I'm thinking Zoom. Yes. <laughs> I'd never heard of Zoom before the pandemic. That's right. Same. I know. It's such a blessing yes. to use. Mm. You can study the Bible with someone on the other side of the earth. That's right. Through Zoom. Mm. God truly is keeping his promises. Well, how did Jesus tell us we should react to all the signs of his return, Hannah, in the book of Luke, chapter 21, and verse 28. It says, Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. Wow. That's very encouraging. Yes, that's right. Even though um, in the world there are um, many things happening around us, but 
we know that these are the signs to tell us that our redemption, Jesus coming is very near. Amen. Sadly, though, for those unprepared, mm. the second coming of Christ may be very frightening. That is true. The experience of those who love him and long for his return will be different. Yes. Their hearts are filled with eager anticipation. I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus return. Me too. Amen. And it's a joyful experience as we see the signs, not that I want to see suffering, mm. but it gives me hope in knowing Jesus is coming, his word is true, and the gospel is going, and yes. there's good news to share. Yes, amen. Hope. Amen. Well, in making our decision today from our study, Hannah, it says, I believe that the signs Jesus gave in Matthew 24 are being fulfilled in the world and eagerly look forward to worshipping Jesus as King of the universe when he returns. And that's my heart's desire. Same for me too. I'd like to give all to God. Amen. And I pray our listeners at home that you would make that your heart's desire as well and experience the joy of having a forever friendship with Jesus Christ. He's your saviour, he's your creator, he's our coming redeemer and king. Let's close in prayer. Our loving Heavenly Father, your words are truly a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for sharing with us the signs that reveal that your coming is drawing near, that we can lift up our heads, we can be encouraged because, Jesus, you are faithful and true. Heavenly Father, thank you for the decisions that have been made today. We accept you as our personal Lord and Saviour. We ask that you may continue to show us through your word and from your word, how wonderful you are, what a trustworthy God you are, and that we may have peace, placing our lives safely in your hands. So bless our listeners at home. Bless dear Hannah and myself until we come and study together again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Hannah, I've really enjoyed our study today. Thank you, Gail, for having me here. It's been a pleasure, and I always enjoy studying the Word with you, Hannah. And I pray at home you'll come and join us again. Until next time, may God bless you and go in peace.
If you have questions or comments about any of the programs you've heard, you can call 3ABN Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 6123456 Our postal address is 3ABN Australia Inc. PO Box 752 Morissette, New South Wales 2264 Australia. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. From Carly Fletcher's album Eternity Together, this is Watch and Pray. Read your Bible and look around this world. There are things that are happening, predicted in God's Word. It may seem scary, but do not be afraid. Hold on to Jesus, He will guide you on your way. And we must watch, watch and tip lady with tips to help make your life more simple and I've got a question for you 
Have you ever stayed awake at night because a phrase was going round and round and round and round in your head like a cracked record? I surely have. The other day I heard someone say something that did just that. You can't have happiness by chasing happiness. So that got my think tank working on overdrive. So now I want you to imagine that I've got a big handful of sawdust in my hand. What's sawdust? Sawdust is a byproduct. It's a byproduct of wood turning, isn't it? Sawdust is created as a consequence of the wood being chiseled, shaved or sawed. Well, I've come to the conclusion that happiness is a byproduct too. It's a byproduct of being healthy. And I'm thinking about health in four different areas of our life. If we're suffering with poor health, we probably don't feel too happy. If our relationships with family and friends are fractured, we don't usually feel too happy about it. If we're psychologically unhealthy, for example, if we say to ourselves, I can't do anything right, I'm too dumb, I'm absolutely stupid, I'm just no good, well, then we're not happy either. If we're full of guilt and shame and we're spiritually unhealthy, as a consequence, we don't feel happy either. So I reckon it makes sense to say, you can't be happy by chasing happiness, yes? So therefore, what do we do? Okay, we need to get healthy in those areas, physically, relationally, psychologically, spiritually. And when we're healthy, then we naturally find the happiness that might be eluding us at the moment. There are tons of ways to do a health check, but one simple thing I do is ask myself, am I doing what I know? So there's tip number one. Am I doing what I know to be healthy? Hmm, that makes me think. Am I doing the simple things? Drinking water, exercising, breathing in fresh, pure air, eating simple, wholesome food, getting out in the sunlight. Nothing better than growing fresh fruit for your body and flowers for your mind. Am I going to bed early enough to get good sleep? Am I enjoying some relaxation? And am I trusting in God's loving care for me? So am I doing what I know? Am I open to learning new ideas that might teach me about things I don't know? Do you think if I simply do the things I know, though, that physically I'm going to reap the rewards and find new happiness? Then how about I do a relationship check, too? Am I holding grudges? Am I forgiving? Am I being kind? I remember once upon a time when a relationship was sour for me, and I was bemoaning the fact. And a lovely lady asked me a simple question. She simply said, Are you being kind? Phew, that hit me right between the eyes. I knew I wasn't. And when I focused on being kind instead of critical, wowee, that relationship was transformed. It became a source of happiness. Hmm, so what about a psychological check? Well, I'm no psychologist, but I've learned that I need to think about how I talk to myself. Oh, yes, indeed. It's okay to talk to yourself. When dear husband hears me sometimes exclaim, Oh, I'm so silly. Oh, how dumb can I be? He says to me, Hey, don't put yourself down. Words can destroy happiness or generate happiness, so let's focus on words that help us grow. Do you think then that our happiness will grow too? Then what about a spiritual health check? I ask myself again, am I doing what I know? Am I connecting with my Heavenly Father each morning, first thing? 
Am I, or am I waking up and surfing on my phone and forgetting that God is simply wanting me to be thankful that I've woken up and tell him so and that I want him to walk with me through the day? Do I make some time for walking in nature every day, for looking for the beautiful things God has made? I'm reminded of the words of a song, Oh, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. Hmm, what a way to think. Perhaps we need to apologise to someone. Then let's just do it. I've had to do that. Oh, wow, it's sure made me a lot more careful about what I say because apologising is super-duper humbling. But the freedom and joy that comes is worth the embarrassment. It's more embarrassing to need to apologise and to refuse to be humble, really. We can walk and talk with God all day when busy with home, business, family and friends. And if we do these simple health checks, we will find happiness, guaranteed. Because happiness is a byproduct of being healthy. Want tip number two? He, 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 here it is. Am I doing what I know? The same tip as number one. Why should it be different? Because that's a great tip. Am I doing what I know? This is an enormous key to being happy because happiness is a natural byproduct of taking action on these simple health principles. Does this mean that we're never going to have health challenges in all these areas? No, we're not in a perfect world yet. But even with challenges in these areas, we'll have more smiles, love, laughter, joy, and tons of happiness to share, guaranteed. That's it from the two-tip lady today, who loves to help make your life more simple. William Ackland here today to share with you one of my poems. So this one is entitled, He's There. God knows, he cares, and looks with love upon our every need. He sees and hears, and with his loving smile, he drives away despair. God looks and loves his earthly children in this world below. He plans and moves in all life's sore and sombre ways to ease our care. God sees, he hears, man's simple cry, his deep and earnest plea. Now gone our fears, along the brightening path ahead, we know he's there. You have been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.